This is the Code of Sisterhood, a place where girls and women can gather in a safe space to grow. Here, we stand for support, respect, reliance, and love. I invite you to join my community and connect more deeply with your intuitive insights, to reclaim your personal power, and to live your best life in freedom. My name is Samantha Louise. I'm a women's leadership cultivator, and I'm honored to welcome you to the Code of Sisterhood. Welcome to the Code of Sisterhood. I'm excited for our conversation today with Leah Morris, who's also known as Life Remade on social media. I'll share some of those links later on. Leah actually just got back from the Galapagos Islands, uh, a really amazing adventure in your life if you ever have have the opportunity to do so. Um, The Galapagos is one of the first places that I ever traveled with some of my friends in high school and was a life-changing experience. It was amazing. Uh, But the resonance between Leah and I, why I'm so excited to visit today, is to talk about this idea of remaking your life. What does it take to own up to say the life I'm living right now doesn't honor me? It doesn't align with what I need or want or feel called to do. To have the courage and the self-esteem to get up and say, I'm going to do it differently from now on. Leah has incredible perspective and really beautiful wisdom to share with girls and women about how to go through this process. So I'm excited for all of you to glean some insights and wisdom from her stories. Beautiful. Welcome to the show, Leah. I'm really excited to have you here. Good morning. Good afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm really excited too. Um, I think the theme of of this is going to be an interesting one, sisterhood. It's not one that I get to talk a lot about, but that always, you know, is like a a big through line in a lot of areas of my life. So this is going to be a good conversation, I feel. Yeah, thank you. I also like the the energy that's that this conversation is going to bring to the listeners because it's very calm and gentle. I love it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start out with symbols of sisterhood. The first okay. question, what color or what word represents sisterhood for you and what's the significance? Yeah, I can't quite think of a specific color. The word that comes to mind, though, and maybe this has to do with like a um, a group of colors is warmth. I feel like sometimes, you know, there's that like cocoon feeling that you get when you're around um, or not even around, but just the knowing that you have a sisterhood that you have other women to turn to who are supporting you and even from afar rooting you on. I like to say, you know, it feels like Christmas sometimes when you feel that, that warmth and the knowing. So maybe colors in that, in that area, neutral, natural colors, colors that feel very earthy and nurturing. Um, Yeah. That's what comes to mind. It's beautiful. I love that. What about music? Is there a certain genre of music or maybe a specific theme song that expresses sisterhood really well? Yeah, so I I, I looked this up um, a few moments ago just so that 
I could share it, but there is one specific song that comes to mind that always gives me just that really good feeling. And it's, um, let me, it's called Faith's Hymn by Beautiful Chorus. And it's just, it's acapella. And it's this series of um, harmonized hums. And um, I actually don't know if it's just one person or a group of women doing it, but it it's just so beautiful. And it kind of takes you into like this lullaby trans state. And um, yeah, I love to play it when I'm like driving and kind of need to be soothed. That's beautiful. I'm definitely going to add that to the show notes so people can go listen to it. Perfect, Sounds yeah. magnificent. It is. <laughs> is. Is there a person in your life right now or perhaps a historical figure that models sisterhood or community for you? A person. I There is this one person that um, during like my biggest life transition that we'll probably get into talking about later Um, Her name's Ksenia, and she and this other woman um, named Tess, I met them when I was living in San Francisco and going through just a complete life shift, and they really instilled that feeling of warmth and nurturing and support that I was really needing at the time, and I could, like, really feel in my bones from them. And still to this day, um, none of us live in San Francisco anymore. We've kind of all spread out to do our own things, but there is that web still that we have between each other, that web of support that I know no matter what I can sort of pull on. And I hope, you know, they feel that same way with me too. So, um, yeah, those are the, the two women in my life that come to mind. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Can you go deeper into the feeling of authentic sisterhood, or how do you sense if you're actually in an authentic, long lasting sisterhood? Mm -hmm. I think there's like an element of like checking in that needs to happen. Um, Not to a point of like making sure that somebody is, you know, doing something or or anything like that, but just of a cure, an element of curiosity of like, how is this person really doing? Is there anything they need from me? Um, you know, how can we inspire each other? I think there's a reciprocity that needs to be in place, um, for it to really feel authentic. I think sometimes in any relationship, really, including sisterhood, you can get carried away in the dynamic of maybe one person giving more than the other. Um, And I think for there to be an authentic element to it, it's like, how can we fully show up as ourselves asking for what we need from each other and giving when we can to each other? Um, That's kind of what I think of when, yeah, the word authentic is brought into sisterhood. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. We're going to go a little deeper into your backstory now. So thinking about your life journey to where you are today um, in this season of life or this moment of life for you, what's really big on your heart or what's something that you're, you think about and, and are working for a lot right now? 
Um, my work is a big part of who I am. Um, it hasn't always been that way. Um, but because I have figured out a way to really align what I do for work and, and how I make a living with who I am naturally, um, when I'm, when you're asking me this question, I automatically think of what am I creating new with my work and with my career. And, um, right now I'm actually, I've, it's been a few years, but I'm now bringing in the element of like a group coaching experience because I feel like having that sense of community and sisterhood while you're growing, while you're transitioning is such a catalyzing element to people's journeys. And it was for me, especially. And I think, um, it's been an interesting, um, experiment. I will say, I feel like everything that, that I create or that anyone creates is just an experiment really. Um, but it's been an interesting experiment to move from, you know, really just solely coaching people one-on-one in an individual sense to opening it up to, are you ready to be witnessed by others? And how do I speak to the benefit of that directly? So um, that's kind of been big on my heart lately of, of like, you know, feeling back into that really sisterhood element of growth. And I think with COVID and, you know, us having to not be in community as much as we were before. And then now, you know, the, the different parts of the process that we're all in with that. Yeah. How do we bring that back in as like a a cornerstone of what it means to be human and to grow together? Um, I, I feel like, uh, your approach is very calming and soothing. So I could imagine that working one-on-one with you, people probably open up and go really yeah. deep. So I love how you just said uh, the risk taking to be witnessed by others in a group model or in a community. Mm-hmm. That's profound. And it is totally different. I've, I've noticed the same thing with people where one-on-one they are one person, but even in a really small group, the masks and the walls come up. Mm-hmm. And it's very yeah. interesting. So that's beautifully put. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I I mean, it is a practice to, to be open even one-on-one. And I think like in that setting alone, you have to feel really safe. You have to feel really held and not judged. And I think our default in a group setting is to not, there's too many risk factors, you know, in each person, am I safe with each of you? can each of you hold all of me? And, but I think if we really can practice that in that kind of a setting, taking that into the real world will feel a lot less scary. It's almost like our little training ground for like, how do I show up authentically um, in the face of, you know, all of these risks and what all the expectations are of me in the world. Mm. So it can be, completely life-changing for sure. That's awesome. I love that. Thank you. Will you tell us about a phase of your life or a moment in your life where you felt alone or invisible 
unheard, devalued, whatever that experience was for you where you didn't feel like you necessarily had a sisterhood or a support system? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think maybe I'll just like touch back on what I kind of mentioned earlier, that, that big transition time in my life. Um, it was during my, I was 30, 30 years old and I did have friends and women who deeply cared about me and supported me. But I think from my own doing, wasn't able to actually open up and take the risk of being who I truly needed to be. And I think when I was, so when I was 30, I actually went through a divorce. Um, Because of that, I had to change my career because my, me and my ex-husband had worked together. Um, So I lost you know, my home, my marriage, my job. Um, and I moved to towns too. And I felt extremely raw and vulnerable. And I literally couldn't do it alone. Like I had to start talking about what was going on inside of me and like that I needed support emotionally. Um, so when I moved to San Francisco, not knowing anybody, it almost felt a little bit safer to open up. And while they don't, you know, I don't really care that much about what they think about me. That's kind of what my mindset was at the time. And what I ended up getting was feeling like so deeply understood because I didn't have a mask on anymore. And I think that was the biggest lesson and takeaway for me in in terms of sisterhood and support was that sometimes the feeling of being devalued and being alone is, is your own doing, you know, is your own fear and self-sabotage getting in the way and really being courageous enough to, to open up and say like, I'm, I'd rather be me and be denied than be fake and be loved. So, um, yeah, there was a good, I would say about three years of my life where I was just really starting to learn what that meant and what it felt like to be held so securely as I was being everything that I was. Um, but I felt extremely misunderstood at that time. You know, my whole family was like, what are you doing? You know, and I think a lot of my friends that really didn't know what was going on behind the scenes in my marriage prior was like, they they were kind of scared for me. I think they thought I was going through a midlife crisis. Like, you know, how could you leave all this security and familiarity for a town go, moving to San Francisco where you don't even have a job and it's expensive? And, and I just was honestly, Samantha, following my heart. Like, that's all I could do at that time. Um, so, yeah. I've got a lot of experience in that, in that area of life of really not feeling understood. Mm. And now tons of experience in bravery and courage and confidence. Absolutely. Too. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I feel like if I would have known this is what I was going to get from really showing up, I, I probably would have done it a lot sooner, mm-hmm. but I think I had to go through that. Like, uh, you know, some people call it like an ego death in a lot of ways and just letting go of that safety blanket of, of the masks that I was wearing. Um, and really saying like, Hey, I'm, I'm not okay. 
to finally end up in a place where I'm like, I know no matter what I am, I'm going to be held in that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. So currently, can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing and why you're so passionate about creating safe community, safe sisterhoods, authentic space for people to show up as you described it earlier? Yeah, I mean, like I was saying, like, I think it can be like such a cornerstone for growth. And when I think of um, when I think of each person as an individual, which we all are, um, I think, you know, a part of the foundation of a healthy individual is a support system. And um, it, it might be like counterintuitive because, you th- you know, you're taking an individual and you're saying, but you need others. And I think the word for that is an interdependence. Um, we do need community and we need to stand on our own two feet as well. And I think that strengthens what we can bring to a community, which then strengthens individuals. So I feel like it's all just this like really important, um, I don't know if ecosystem is the right word, that that needs to be present for us to really feel a true sense of health and um, connection to our own lives. You know, I think with what I do for work and helping people through transition, so I'm like, literally a a transition coach. So that's what I specialize in. A big piece of the program that I have for people is who do you, who are you talking to besides me? You know, I can't be your only, the the only leg that you're standing on right now. If we're going to build the life that you're wanting, like you need to open up to people. And I think that's where I really see the blossoming happen we kind of are able to game plan a lot of things and think about the future and talk about, you know, what the individual is wanting, but when they finally do the hard work of reaching out and making time and opening up and being authentic, that's when the confidence truly starts to build because that's when they feel like it's not just me that's aiming for these things. I'm actually supported in in my process and I'm not alone. There's so many other people who are doing the same thing as me who feel just as scared. And I think there's magic in the not aloneness feeling. Mm -hmm. I love that. In in the process of your own self-transformation and developmental process, what kinds of gaps have you identified in the empowerment and development of girls into women, where there still tends to be distrust or competition with a lot of people. Um, What have you, what have you noticed working with other people and about yourself? What are some of the gaps that you've picked up on that could be filled or bridged by leaders like us in the future? That's such a good question. Um, Gaps. I think that I I mean, I have worked, I I typically work with women who are in their late twenties to early thirties. There's like certain pivotal moments in in people's lives where they feel a shift and they need some guidance. I've also worked with women who are 19 years old and, and younger too. And I think the conversations between the women in their thirties and the women their teens 
they're, they're similar in that there's this expectation that they've learned to adopt as their own, you know, role and their own story and their own narrative. And it just sort of passed down generationally through women needing to be a certain way, needing to um, adhere even when we don't want to, to certain things. Um, and I feel like the gap maybe is in the freedom of choosing a lot of those answers for ourselves and, and to truly support the um, sense of agency we have over our own lives. Cause really, if I guess I'm boiling it down, like that's, a, that's what I do is I, I, I create a space where people, where everything's possible mm-hmm. for people and nothing is judged and why not go after that? And why not say no to those things? Even if other people call you a bitch, like, so be it. I wish that was taught in high school or, or earlier or at home, you know, like it's okay for people to not like you. And it's mm-hmm. okay for your life not to look anything like anybody else has ever thought of before. It doesn't make you weird. It doesn't make you wrong. It makes you free. So like that being taught as a value instead of like, you know, needing to fit in, needing to feel free, I think would be completely game changing. Yes. I love that so much. That's beautiful. And it totally shifts the paradigm and the outlook on uh, how you make friends, how you socialize, especially more confined in a high school or middle school context, right? Where you only have that kind of container of people every day, every year. So that's really beautiful, the the freeing element of releasing expectations. Wow. (laughs) I love that. Well, even now, like I find myself talking to my friends who, you know, either they're going through something or I'm going through something and it feels so good for them to say like, so just be in it. So just, you know, that's just what it is right now. And that, that just little permission slip to just do what I need to do and be how I need to be is so nourishing to hear and to feel but like that can bleed into so many other areas of life, career, family, you know, love life, um, health, everything. So I can imagine having a little girl being raised like with that mindset, how cool that would be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What role do men play in holding space for the healthy development of girls into women and then sisterhoods throughout Yeah, I think a huge role. I think, um, well, I think in my life, um, one of my, you know, before I really felt that sisterhood feeling, that feeling existed more in my father than it did Mm -hmm. in my mom. And because of a lot of, I think, the expectations that generationally are passed down, um, I think I felt that I could truly be whatever I wanted to be and whoever I was with that, you know, stable framework that my dad provided emotionally for me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think that came with its limits for sure, as we all have, you know, our human biases and things like that. But, but I think 
really experiencing that, you know, with that masculine figure in my life was what I ended up ultimately leaning towards as an adolescent. Um, and, you know, obviously coming into my own womanhood leaned out of that more, but I think that that really masculine element of framework and being able to create like a safe container, I think it helps to allow for more freedom and for, for more safety and security to feel mm-hmm. in, be able to flow and be able to choose and be able to, to hold um, agency over our own decisions and feel that sense of auto- autonomy. Um, and I also think without that, there can be a, a really big, um, it can be a detriment to developing um, humans, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that um, without that feeling of safety and um, framework, there can be way too much uncertainty mm-hmm. and, and, and freedom isn't, isn't fun when it, when it feels like worry mm-hmm. and when it feels like uncertainty. And so um, there is an element to the masculine that feeds directly into our ability to grow and to experiment and to be free back into the topic of sisterhood that you're saying and like what that feeds into it. That's interesting. Um, you know, I work with actually half of my clients are male and half of them are, are female. And I think that, I think that there is a big difference that I see in many of the men that I work with and that they cannot express or be held safely in brotherhood. And, um, and I think that that is a bit of a foreign, um, thing in our society is how do men hold each other emotionally? How Mm -hmm. do men hold the space? Um, so maybe, I don't know, there, there is a, a big leadership position that women take in the emotional space holding. I know many men that I talk to are like, you know, how do you? How do women do it? How do you open up so freely? And I think it's, I, I think it's in our nature partially, but also just it's a little bit more accepted. Yeah, uh, I, I can feel that in my, like in my chest as you say mm-hmm. that. I have a lot more uh, men in my family than women, and I tended like growing up, spent more time with male cousins and uncles and grandpas. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, it's so true, however close it is to you or however much you observe it. Um, I think if you, as I've slowed down and paid more attention, that's so true for men. And even with my own husband, Mm. he's shared things like that, where it was really hard for him to start talking to me about things. And it's just the two of us. Mm -hmm. And going into like, how did you learn this? Do you want to continue to hold everything in or to push it down or to only let these two emotions out, but anything else you feel you can't. So that's really the brotherhood. Um, Yeah. I think that's a a space some men are starting to explore. And as they do. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's pretty, watch it's pretty powerful <laughs> to watch for sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, from like an Instagram observer perspective, like there's some, there's some leaders um, in that area in the brotherhood, you know, um, area, I guess you'll call it that, that are really creating that space. And you can kind of see the breaking down of the walls that, that happens with women too. Um, it's really, it's really cool to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the embracement instead of the, de- the defense. Right. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. So for our final questions here, uh, we're going to start with what's, uh, what are your parting words of wisdom or what are three qualities or skills that you suggest girls and women continue to cultivate at a deeper level as they grow and transform? I think that growth and transformation um, is a lifelong journey. And I think if we are to maybe boil it down to three key elements that could really not only help in that lifelong journey, but also, um, you know, to move forward, but also to help strengthen the individual as they're on that journey. I think number one is compassion. And I'm more so referring to self-compassion. I think that it's much easier to give away compassion than it is to um, give give it to yourself. Mm-hmm. But I think that the more you give it to yourself, the more connected and compassionate you feel to everything around you. Um, so it starts with self-compassion. I think another element um, that is really important too is... Um, maybe being aware of how old conditioning and how old patterns have been passed down and just saying and questioning, do I need to bring this forward? Do I need to bring this into my journey or can I reframe it? Can I um, rewrite the narrative for what the expectation is of me? So really being able to to just look at yourself from maybe like a bird's eye view and say, just because I'm, you know, used to judging women for showing up in this way, the, the emotion of anger comes up. I think a lot of times we shame anger in women. Mm -hmm. And I think um, if you question that narrative, what if anger is completely normal what if anger, there's needs to be a space for anger and what if anger can be a catalyst for change and to stop a lot of the things that are creating the anger and creating pain? You know, what if we see that as more of a messenger and encourage leaning into when that emotion shows up for each other? Um, so that's kind of an example of like really questioning the narrative and rewriting like what, what can I have space for going forward and what can be left behind? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think finally, you know, another piece of it is I just, the word presence keeps coming up and not getting too hung up on, you know, having to have everything planned out. I think in our society too, we tend to be planners. We tend to need to have a next step. Um, it's, it's normal for sure. Um, 
but I think really we can squeeze all the juice out of life more when we just kind of stop and notice and be a part of what's in front of us. Um, you know, before we got on this call, we talked a little bit about nature and like how that really creates almost like that childlike connection to the world around you and that sense of wonder again. Um, we lose our creativity when we're trying to plan everything out. And so in a sisterhood, if we can sort of just, I guess, remind each other to just like, hey, we're here. Let's just like stop and smell the roses and be be bored in that and just see what we create as a result of that presence and, and call it boredom. I don't care. Um, I think those are really like some awesome elements that that can be brought in. You are an incredible role model for sisterhood, for empowerment. Yeah, for, for just independent womanhood. It's amazing. Um, so how can people that are listening connect with you and also support your passions? Mm. Um, well, first of all, I will say too, like I, I, I am who I am today because of my sisterhoods um, and my sisters. Um, I have two blood sisters as well who are just my best friends. So, um, so yeah, I think I'm a reflection of the women that are in my life for sure. Um, so I just want to like shout out to all of them, yes. but, um, you can find me on Instagram as I'm, I'm pretty active on there. Um, Leah E Morris, and that is where you can also find a lot of my like educational content with my business and, um, just a lot of, I try to marry in a lot of who I am into that as well. And my own journey, I think for the sake of authenticity and integrity, um, I've learned that, you know, not to separate business and personal life too much if I'm, if I'm really wanting to feel connected to my audience. So, um, I would love to connect with people there. And I don't even know where to start with my passions because I feel like <laughs> I feel like I have I'm multi-passionate. I love plants. I love art. Um, none of it is anything that I'm like currently sharing anywhere else. Um, but you know, those are things that I that really make me come alive are, you know, propagating my little plants in my spare time <laughs> and, and painting my emotions. This this photo is or photo this painting is a work in progress um it's beautiful but, yeah thank it you is, my, yeah. my therapist was like why don't you paint your anger and I was like okay it's coming out <laughs> so we'll see what happens there but but yeah mainly you can find me on my Instagram and all of that is you'll get tastes of awesome thank you so much for joining us today Thanks for having me. I really appreciate this conversation and just the energy that you, you know, you hold and, and bring to these two. 